Well, it's May Day, and I think May Day is what you're supposed to say when you are plummeting to the earth, and Dominic Reyes didn't even have time to get out the words May Day as Yuri Prohaska gets the knockout in the second round. It was our main event tonight. We are here to recap it on Extra Rounds. TJ DeSantis and Dean Thomas. Dean, what can you say about the man known as Yuri Prohaska? Most people just going to call him Yuri because Prohaska is kind of tough, but we're already calling him essentially a number one contender after just two fights. In the UFC well, you have to. Yeah, you have to. I mean, here's a guy who came in from, you know, another organization, and he was highly touted, and and he proved that what he what he can do is devastating. I mean, he knocked out a guy who fought for the title twice, and it just sucks that it had to come at the expense of Dominic Reyes. But this right. guy is he's a star. I mean, you know, and he, and I'm sure that the UFC is happy to have a new star. At this division, I mean, he's unpredictable. He's quick. He's got knockout power, and he's got something about him. This kind of star power. When you kind of look at him, I mean, he's got he's got presence. He's got stage presence, and he's got something that people can can attach themselves to. So I think the UFC is in a good position right now. The light heavyweight division is in a good position right now by having this guy win this fight tonight and and to have him look the way he did as well. And you mentioned the way he looked, but also I'm talking about just the man's look, his essence, his aura, this martial arts factor that he brings to the octagon. It's something to behold. When you look at you know contenders from other promotions that come into the UFC, it's still a very tough road for most guys that want to you know fight their way to uh, a UFC a championship opportunity. But the way that Yuri Prohaska has done it, you know, it, it doesn't hurt that he's come in and, and stopped Vulcan Uzdemir and, and Dominic Reyes, who you mentioned has fought for back-to-back titles, uh, arguably beat John Jones in one of those matchups. But the, the way that he comes in, he's got some some mysterious star power around him, Dean. Like, he really is the, the total package and someone that you would want if you are to take a guy who's never fought in the UFC before, get him two fights, and then put him in that title picture. He's He's got all the goods. Yeah, the only thing that's kind of, and I don't even want to say bad, but the, the only thing that kind of hurts him is just his name is so hard to pronounce. Right. But everything, yeah, but everything else about this guy, like you said, is star power. Yeah. Like, he's charismatic. He Like, he's got a style that people can relate to because, like, it's kind of wild a little bit. Like, he's, he plays, and people can relate. You can have fun watching him. So, like, that's what you want in a, in a fighter, like, something that people can relate to, and, it, and, and he's fun, and he's a striker like that. Like, if, if he came in and was just kind of grappling guys and holding them down, then I would go, ah, he's not so much. But he's a fun fighter, and people are going to love this guy. Like I said, the only thing that's going to be hard is pronouncing his name. Yeah, and I, th- I think, you know, it's going to be one of those hard names to pronounce that pretty much everyone is going to know before too long because you're going to have to say it. E- either you're going to get comfortable with just saying Yuri or you're going to learn how to say Prohaska because the-, the man is going to fight for a title and probably not just once, you know, win or lose when he gets that opportunity. This kid's going to be here for a very long time. The the skills and abilities that he brings to the octagon, I mean, this is really, truly just the beginning for Yuri Prohaska. Um, We talk about opportunity a lot in mixed martial arts, and when you are afforded opportunity, you have to try to make the most of it. Very few people pass on opportunity and recognize the fact that, okay, maybe I'm not ready for this moment. The fact that Yuri Prohaska turned down his initial UFC offer a couple years ago because he said he wasn't ready to make a run yet at the championship and now comes in and does what he's done over the last two fights, that might be the most impressive thing of all when you really think about it, Dean. I mean, that's a power move right there. Like, when you when you turn down your initial... Because most guys never turn down that initial opportunity no. because they go... because you and, I, and no one even recommends it because you go, dude, this is not going to come back around. Like right. You can't turn this down because it never comes back around. But for him to have either that much faith or confidence in his ability or just I don't, whatever reason he did it, it worked. And that was a risk and that was a gamble. He bet on himself and it worked. And he he came in at the right time, too. Like when the division needed him yeah. or needed another star. And he comes in when he need, when the division needed another star and then also when he felt he was ready. So, I mean, that type of power play that he did, that he made – was just was miraculous and I mean it's a risky gamble. I don't know if what his managers 
how they felt about it. But like that was such a, a, a risky gamble that worked out in his favor. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, you couldn't have drawn it up a better way, right? Because as you mentioned, you know, John Jones exits stage left, moves up to, to heavyweight. You have Jan Blahovich now, who uh, is, is the new light heavyweight champion. He just got past uh, Israel Adesanya. And then people were like, okay, so what is next for, for Jan Blahovich? He's this, you know, new star at 205 pounds. He's, he's definitely someone who's earned his way uh, to this championship. And, you know, obviously there is another contender. We have Glover Teixeira, who's, I mean, literally been in this division for, you know, what, 15 years at this point, not in the UFC the entire time, but he's been a guy that, you know, it's hard not to like the story of Glover Teixeira. So Glover, you know, takes on Jan Blahovich, but now you have, you know, Yuri Prohaska, who I got to believe, Dean, is going to be in the building no matter what when Glover and Blahovich fight. And, you know, as soon as whomever gets their hand raised on that night, like sign the next bout agreement. Like Yuri's got to get in there. I'm just curious how long he wants to wait. You never know what's going to happen. You know, the writing on the wall is there. You have this opportunity for a title fight, but, you know, say something happens, say someone is injured. Uh, if you were on the side of Yuri Prohaska, how long do you let him wait before you go, you know what, we need to get you back in there and, and keep you loose? Well, it says something about a division when the easiest name to pronounce is Glover Teixeira. Right. And, and Glover <laughs> actually, <laughs> most people just say Glover. Yeah, yeah know? I know, because you can't say Teixeira. So, like, you know, Pro, Prohaska, like, you know, maybe that's a little easier than Blahovich, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> You know, now now I'm curious. We, we got to pull up the UFC's light heavyweight ranks to try to see how many names we can say. Uh, Alexander Rakic, not easy. At number no. two, uh, Dominic Reyes, you know, fa fairly easy. Tiago Santos, fairly easy. Mm. I mean, people can't say Mejeta, but that's a different story altogether. Right. Uh, Yuri Prohaska, definitely uh, difficult. Anthony Smith, Magomed Ankalaev, Vulcan. No, like, come on, man. Yeah. You you can't even pronounce these names in this division. So, um, so he fits right in. He, he does. Fits, he fits. He fits right in. But I, I think Prohaska is a is a complete star, man, and he's a he's a brand new star in that division. He's a fresh face. I think he I think the UFC is blessed at this moment to have him come in at this at this point right now. Um, and I hope they don't make him wait too long. I don't think he should have to wait. I mean, he comes in with a ton of experience in other organizations. He's got world experience in world class organizations outside of the UFC. So you know. I think it's almost like the Michael Chandler effect and right. um, where you, he comes in from another organization with, you know, the, the backing and the support of everybody from that other organization. And I think that's enough. I really do. I think that's enough for him, especially at the current state of the division. And he proved himself. It's not like he came in and fought like a middle of the run guy. I mean, he came in and his first fight was against Uzumare, so and he knocked him out. Right. And then his second fight was against Reyes and he knocked him out. So, you know, it's a different it's different than say, you know, Will Brooks who first came in and and fought uh I know you know this TJ. Oh man, I wish I could help you. Who did Will Brooks fight? Um the I'll, English I'll, cat. Um it was I can uh, pull it up. Ross Pearson. His first fight okay. was against Ross Pearson. And you know, Ross Pearson, a good fighter, but it's more of a, a test. Right. You know, Brohaska uh, came in and fought the Lion right, right away yeah. in Uzdemir. So, like, when, when and, sa and same thing happened with Michael Chandler. He came in and fought, you know, Dan Hooker, Dan Hooker right away. So, when you get these guys who come in from these organizations with such support, and then they fight the, you know, the top guys right away and win, you got to give them the respect. You yeah. got to say, all right, you know, you guys are ready for our title. Yeah, the one thing, though, that we, we do need to bring up, and I, I don't think it's fair, and I don't want to take anything away from Yuri Prohaska's victory, but momentum is a big thing in, in this sport. And when you look at Dominic Reyes, the Dominic Reyes that, you know, fought tonight is not the same Dominic Reyes that, you know, was as competitive as he was against John Jones. Many people thought he beat John Jones. I'm one of them. Um but I don't think that the back-to-back -back losses and the, the stoppages should say anything less about what Yuri Prohaska did tonight. Because Dominic Reyes, while he's lost three straight, uh, one of them was to, you know, the pound-for-pound -pound greatest of all time in many people's books in a fight that a lot of people thought he won. Jan Blahovich is, uh, you know, the, the champion right now. And in this fight against Prohaska, Dominic Reyes, you know, he, he battled through some adversity but also had some really big moments of his own, but it just 
distance didn't matter. When Yuri Prohaska hits you in the manner that he did tonight with a spinning back elbow, like, it's over. Your, your lights are going to go out. What do you say, though, about Dominic Reyes? I mean, th- this was a, a tough fight, the third straight loss for him uh, in, in his UFC uh, run here. Um, any, any takeaways, or is it still too early? It's no, the, the takeaway is that it's it's hard to see him go from where he was to where he is now at such a fast rate. I mean, he he was such a star, you know, when he fought John Jones that you would say, man, you know, he beat John Jones. He deserves a rematch right away. And then, you know, he comes back and then he loses the way he did to to the champ. And then now he's losing again tonight. It's just unfortunate that all this is happening at his expense because he could have also been, you know, a really a strong star in right. that division. But now it's almost like, you know, what do you do with him? You got to send him kind of backwards. And you got to, he's got to go backwards. But there, and there's other guys that are coming up like Ankalaev and, you know, other guys that you want to give some attention to. So I don't know if Dominic Reyes' time is, is totally done. But, you know, one thing is that, you know, losing three in a row, that does have a, an effect on your confidence and the way you fight. And then also, too, is like, what do the people think about him? His perception, his perception of the public is going right. to be changed now after the last three times they saw him fight as he lost. Right. You so, know, you bring up something that's very interesting to me is is the confidence level of um, Reyes at this point. So, like, when he moves forward, his next fight, he, he knows that he's lost, you know, his last three. People know that he's lost his last three. This is a sport where I think momentum is big for a, a lot of reasons. Um, you have to get past it. it. It is as mental as it is a physical challenge for many. But do you think that any of this, you know, trouble that he has suffered in his last couple of fights has anything to do with the fact that the John Jones fight didn't go his way? Because let's be honest. I mean, I, I think at least 50% of the people that you poll will say that Dominic Reyes should have had his hand raised over John Jones that night. No, I don't think so, to be honest. Um, I mean, if anything, if anything, it made him a little bit more reckless because, like, he maybe wanted to go for the finish a little more or so he may have opened himself up because he doesn't want to go to the judges. That's the only thing that that could have had on on him in terms of how it affects the way he fights. Because, like, if you get if you feel like you got robbed against the judges, you know, now your next thing is, I'm never going to the judges again, so I'm going to take more chances and be more risky. But I don't think that was the case in these last two fights. I still thought he he didn't look bad in these two fights. I mean, he just fought guys that just had more experience than him in fights and knew how to set him up. Yeah. You know, when when he fought Blahovich, Blahovich kept kicking kicking his body, kicking his body, kicking his body, till finally he went up to the head. Then this fight, a spitting, you know, back elbow. I mean, like, no one can take that. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and I think it's just unfortunate. I don't know what type of competitor he is or what he or what he's going to do. But, you know, I think moving forward now, we, we might see a different guy just from, you know, two knockout losses and then getting robbed. You know, like that, those, that can change the way you look at a fight. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious, Dean, when you see someone, you know, battle through issues like this, do you ever suggest that, like, maybe they need to go away for a camp? Do they just need to get a different scene? Because I I understand that it's not necessarily the camp's fault. It's not really anybody's fault. I mean, he's fighting the best in the world, after all. But you need to do something to sort of shock the system, I would assume. What would you suggest a fighter do just to get some sort of better or different feeling behind them going into another fight? Well, he certainly needs, in my opinion, what I would do with him if I was working with him now is I would have him talk to somebody, Mm. some sort of, you know, life, wellness, mental coach to get him back to get to make sure that he continues his passion and he's loving what he's doing regardless of losing. You know, because that's an important thing. You have to you have to maintain your passion. You have to continue to love what you're doing if you want to still have success. So I would make sure that he's talking to somebody. And then I would get him competing in different things right away. Just get him back to to being competitive. You know, and, and that can be anything. It doesn't even have to be MMA. Like, I would have him competing in, like, in, you know, if it was a grappling tournament sure. or any anything where he can go out and... And, com- and just be competitive and want to win. It, it's and interesting that you, you bring that up. I remember you and I called a, a match, uh, a grappling match between Anthony Pettis and uh, Jorge Masvidal 
uh, last year or maybe two years yeah. ago at this point. And, and you talk, it was just like weeks before the Ben Askren fight for, for Masvidal. And you said, this is a great thing for Masvidal because he's out there performing. He's getting that feeling. He's not taking damage because it's not, you know, a traditional mixed martial arts fight. What is it about that? Just getting out there for an athlete to, to feel the, the spotlight beyond them that mentally prepares them, uh, you know, for a bigger date down the road. Well, it's, it's the energy. Like, you get to feel the energy. Making that walk and then putting yourself in a position where you're on the stage and you're feeling the energy and the pressure of the stage and the pressure of the moment. You get to feel that. And you can't recreate that in training. No matter what you do in training, you can't recreate that. So the only way to get that is through real-time experience. And the more you can do it, the more you can put yourself in that uncomfortable situation to be in that real-time experience, to to be under the spotlight, especially with fans. You know, maybe it's a little different now without fans. It's still a little bit. Of, it's still the pressure still there. But with the fans, the more you can do it with the fans, the better it is because you get more accustomed to that pressure and that and that feel because it's a different feeling. I mean. You know, when you talk about, especially like in the UFC, when you talk about guys who their first fights in the UFC, they all of them say the same thing. They all have the same experience. And if you don't believe me, ask them. They feel like they're watching themselves from the outside. Really? Oh, yes. Everybody says it. I feel like I feel, I feel like I've been watching myself from the outside. I feel like I watched myself from the outside. Especially if they lost, they're like, I felt right. like I was watching myself from the outside. So they all, but that's just the pressure and the sure. energy and and the moment. And then the UFC is probably the biggest biggest stage. It's the biggest MMA stage on on the planet. Yeah. So it's like one of the biggest arenas you can you can compete in. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, you're you're. I mean, so many people. So much is going on. You're trying to impress Dana White. You're trying right. to do this. You're trying to do that. So much is going on. So like just being able to get those experiences prior to the the, the real show is going to be good. That just sounds like a helpless feeling as well. I was watching myself from the outside. So like. Do you not have any control? Is that what that feeling is? You know what I mean? Like, it's like playing a video that's game. You're is. not holding yeah, control. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not fully in control of themselves because, like, they're trying to enjoy the moment. But it's hard to enjoy the moment because, like, there's so much on the line. But at the same time, you're, you're you know, a guy's trying to rip your head off. Right. So, like, it's, it's so much going on. That it's really difficult to just, like, sit there and enjoy the moment and put on a good performance. Yeah. Let's talk about our co-main event tonight. It took place in the featherweight division. We saw Giga Chikadze doing just that, attacking the body. Uh, the target tonight was the stalwart of a competitor in the featherweight division, uh, Killer Cub Swanson, standing in front of uh, Chikadze tonight. But it was that Giga kick that uh, found a home. And, I mean, th there's something special about someone that can land that liver shot and do so with uh, efficiency over the course of multiple fights. The liver shot is something that uh, I don't care how tough you are. It doesn't matter. It's like biology, right? Like it, it doesn't matter if you're gritty, grimy, a veteran experience isn't going to help you. When you get kicked in that spot on the right side of your body, your body gives out. And that's what happened to Cub Swanson, who's been there, you know, for a very long time inside the UFC, going all the way back to the WEC. Uh, but he fought a, a very tough uh, Giga Chikadze tonight, and uh, the liver sort of let uh, Cub down. What do you say about the Giga kick? Man, so that, you know, when you talk about that, you, you hit it right on the head, man. It's spot on. It's like a light switch. This is the way we describe it in the gym. It's a light switch. Like, you, you just hit the light, the light switch, and then everything shuts off. And there's not really much you can do about it because you can't, it's really difficult to protect that part of your body. Like there's no real muscle there. It's just a spot that if you get hit in and like when you even looking like in boxing, when Bernard Hopkins hit De La Hoya with that shot and he just goes down. Right. I mean, like it's just, you can't do nothing about it. It paralyzes you. It makes you stop. Like everything shuts down and it makes you stop. And for Chikazi to be able to pull that off, at this level is amazing. I mean, when was the last time we seen a guy come from a pure kickboxing background in the featherweight division be so dominant? I mean, it's just crazy. Oh, you know, like, it, you don't you don't see this like you normally you would see this at heavyweight where a guy would come from a background. You would see this at light heavyweight right. where like there's the speed, but you never really seen a guy at 145 pounds come in with us with such a strong kickboxing background and be so dominant and. That's a testament to his training, how they were able to make that work for him. 
And it hasn't really been done before. So what he's doing right now, what you're seeing, is kind of history in the making. No, 100%. And, and what I thought was so interesting about the, the kick tonight, and we've seen it before, is the opponents of Giga Chikadze, they don't know where that kick is necessarily going. Cub thought it was coming up high tonight. He brought his, his hand up. He thought it was going to be a head kick. But it, it snuck under that elbow, hit him on the right side of the body. And, I mean, again, I, I can't speak highly enough of that, that technique as a whole. I love when high-level athletes are able to shut their opponent off by body shots. Like, it, for all intents and purposes, it's the same as a knockout. Yes, you don't lose consciousness, per se, but you're knocked out. You're, you're not going to oh, be able yeah, to compete. Oh, yeah, for sure. You can't, you can't compete. And so when you, when you talk about, like, the accuracy of that and the technical level of that, it's very uh, Valentina Shevchenko-like. Sure. You know, that's, and that's the type of stuff that she's able to pull off. And now when I talk about, like, that, when I made my kickboxing reference, so, like, you you could be one of two things in that when it comes to like that high level of kickboxing. You can be Valentina Shevchenko, in which I think Jakedzi is on that path, or you can be uh Antonina Shevchenko, just kind of decent, but hasn't really been able to put it together yet. But you know, her kickboxing accolades are so high, but she hasn't been able to put it together yet. But that's what we see in this guy. We see the opposite. We see that Valentina type of skill set where he's so dominated kickboxing, but for whatever reason, man, he's been able to avoid the ground. And who knows, man, maybe when he does get on the ground, maybe he does have some tricks down there. So, like, you know, we may be looking at something special here. Right. I'll never forget. I think it was uh, was a Pete Spratt who armbarred, like, Zach Light in the UFC way back yeah, in the day. Yeah, It's like yeah. Pete Spratt, the kickboxer, <laughs> just armbarred somebody. But that's yeah. what's so great about mixed martial arts. And, you know, when, when you look at uh, Giga, I'm curious if he has that sort of crow cop in him where he's able to throw that left kick and mid-kick decide if he's going to go high or low to sort of make that split-second reaction. Maybe that's some hyperbole. I don't know. But uh, if that's the case, if he's able to switch that weapon up, uh, you know, fighters are going to have a hard time standing in front of him really trying to figure out where that kick is going to land. And uh, I don't know where you'd rather take it, Dean. Would you rather take it to the body, or would you rather take it upside the head? No, I don't know where. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think I think both of those poisons are going to kill you. It's just a matter of, hey, pick your poison because you're about to get killed. And another thing I noticed about him was that the way off, how big of a, how tall he yeah. is. I mean, those, so like those things, and it's never been more apparent than it is now in MMA that how much height and length play a, a, a factor in the fight game. You know, like when you got that length and you can move as well as you do and you got power and you're as accurate as you are. You know, out of Sanya. Um, I mean, you know, obviously, when you look at and from a striking perspective, it just really gives you an advantage as a striker. And you're going to see it with Chikedze, man. I mean, he's, you know, he's tall, he's long. He was like so much longer than Cub Swanson in a way. And I right. said, this is going to be a problem for Cub. Looking and at it, it was. Well, we're looking at Cub now, too. And, and that's the thing, too. I think that's what really highlights the fact that this was a, a, an impressive victory for Chikaze because Cub is a guy that goes to war. He, he is not afraid of a fight. And if you are able to take him out as quickly as Chikaze did with a body shot, that is saying something. And, you know, Cub, Cub tonight was number 15 coming into uh, the matchup. Giga, number 14. You know, for all intents and purposes, this could have been a few ranks higher because of the name value of Cub Swanson. Yes, he was the lower-ranked fighter, but this says a lot about the future of uh, Giga Chikadze. So I, I can't wait to see what is next for him. But when you look at what he wants, he had a pretty big name on the tip of his tongue when Paul Felder interviewed him post-fight, that being of the former featherweight champ, the blessed one, Max Holloway. Uh, I mean, it'd be an interesting fight. I'd love to see it. I, I don't know if you can necessarily go from, you know, number 14 to taking on the number one contender. Stranger things have happened for sure in mixed martial arts, but what are your thoughts on Giga Chikadze, you know, calling his shot, wanting Max Holloway, and, and how do you think he would fare when he starts to take on not only Max, but just the other, you know, tip-top contenders of this featherweight class? Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's a dangerous call right there, and I think he needs a little bit more experience before he takes on a guy like Max. I mean, Max is a guy who had who hasn't even been uh, hasn't even been hurt in fights right in two different weight classes against punchers in two different weight classes so uh, i think it's i think that's a difficult fight for chikaze like max is just so good at his job he's so good at his job and remember what i was saying about the length he doesn't enjoy that that length re that length advantage against max max is just as tall just as long so i mean he may he may have the kickboxing like 
pedigree a right. little bit over Max, but you know, when it comes to fighting and the fight IQ in the game of MMA, I don't think he's ready for Max yet. Yeah, let's take a look at the featherweight rankings just to see who may be, uh, you know, in the uh, way of Giga Chikadze. Top 10 here for you. Obviously, Max Holloway occupies that number one spot. Brian Ortega is going to fight Alexander Volkanovsky when we don't know. They were supposed to fight at UFC 260 back in March, but COVID-19 protocol uh, unfortunately canceled that bout. Uh, Yair Rodriguez, Chan Sung Jung, I mean, Calvin Cater. There are a ton of fights here that Giga Chikadze fits in quite well with. So while it might not be Max Holloway, there are plenty of men, Dean, that can test him at 145 pounds. And, uh, you know, I'll just shut up and you can take my money and I'll watch any of them because they're all really good matchups. Yeah, there are good matchups. And there's some guys in there who I think that he could potentially have some success against, like Josh Emmett, Danny Ige. But these are the shorter guys, right? right. So I think, I think you know, he could have success with them the same way he had tonight against Cub Swanson. But when you talk about some of the taller, longer guys that are a little bit more experienced and a little bit more crafty, I think that's where he's going to run into his problems. You know, Brian Ortega will certainly give him problems. I think Calvin Cater gives him problems. But these guys are a little taller, longer, and a little bit more savvy in terms of the way they put together a game plan for an MMA fight. Looking at highlights of uh, T-City, Brian Ortega here. We haven't even really mentioned the uh, name of the uh, champion, Alexander Volkanovsky. Man, like, I'm... I'm, don't get me wrong. We've had some fantastic fights, and, and there have been awesome fights here in 2021. You know, last weekend was really a testament to getting back to normal. But I can't lie and say that I'm not disappointed that we haven't seen Volkanovski versus Ortega quite yet. I cannot wait to get a date on the uh, the calendar for that matchup because th this featherweight division, man, it's just, it it's blowing up with talent, you know, at the top uh, of the top 10, obviously, and, and, you know, in the lower half of the top 15, we see more and more names like Giga Chikadze that are coming in and, and really, uh, you know, getting me excited. But what are your thoughts on Volkanovski versus Ortega? I know we got to wait a little bit longer for it, but this is a hell of a fight. Yeah, this is something I was looking forward to, too. And, like, for Volkanovski to be in a division, to be the giant of the division as the small guy, to me, is, is incredible. So it's a testament of what you know, those guys over at City Kickboxing are doing because they they allowed him. And it may be for the, that reason, man. He's, he's probably used to going against guys like he's fighting, which you would think would be a stylistic night nightmarish matchup for him. But he's able to fight these guys and win. Like, so he's got two wins over Max Holloway. I mean, you know, he's beaten up, you know, uh, although he beat up, you know, Chad Mendes. So like this guy, I mean, he's he's a dynamic fighter. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. for So he fights small, but he uses his size to his advantage because he fights small and doesn't give you much of a target to hit. But he's so strong, and I think that was probably because he played rugby at 200 and something pounds. That's, so he that blows yeah. my mind. Cause we're, again, we're talking about this man being a small guy at 45, and he played rugby above 200 pounds. Yeah, and, but I think you know what happens is like guys who normally, like you'll see these the guys that like have been like, Heavyweight, heavy or heavier guys, yeah. and they lose a bunch of weight. They don't really lose that strength. Whatever it is, they still kind of maintain that strength. Right. They just lose the weight. And he's definitely one of those guys. He just lost the weight, and he's still so strong. But I, I love his. I love any matchup against Volkanovski. All of them are good. I, I definitely want to see against T City because what he did against the Korean Zombie was just spectacular. I mean, that was one of the better performances I've seen all year. But, you know, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing him fight Volkanovski. It is weird looking at uh, old clips of, of Brian T. City Ortega because he, he has had the most different looks in the fewest amount of fights, I think, in the UFCs. Uh, when, when I'm talking about just, like, hairstyle, this man doesn't even look like the same dude today. No, he doesn't. You're right about that. Like, he's, he's I mean, he looked like, like Vinny Chase right there. Right. At times he looks, at times he looks like Jason Momoa. Right. Last time he fought, he had ball head. So, like, he has always has these different looks. But the one thing about him, man, and, and not only that, but his style continues to change and get better. Like, the way he fought Korean Zombie was something to marvel at. Like, his right. striking ability. Like, I remember riding. I was in, I was at the fight, and I was riding back from the hotel, and he was in the thing with it. I just looked at him and said, dude, where did this come from? Right. Where did this come from? He's the jujitsu like, guy. He's he's yes. like the Gracie. He's he's Brian Gracie. He's the new Vitor. And he's Brian Gracie, but not only that, 
is that like he only like went and started training with like Tiki and them for like one camp. Right. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> and like I'm like, how did you go from being Mr. Jiu-Jitsu guy who right. I'm thinking I right, pull guard every if you can't get him down, pull guard to training with Tiki Gosen for one camp. Right. And automatically comes out looking like like goddamn <laughs> old school uh Anderson Silva. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I <laughs> like, where it. does this come from? I love it. I love it because I mean, you know, I, m- I mentioned the old uh, Vitor reference. If you remember, uh, Vitor came to the UFC and they were literally calling him Victor Gracie. Yeah. They couldn't Victor even get Gracie, Vitor yeah. right, but Victor Gracie and Victor you know, Gracie. Uh, Brian Brian Ortega, you know, training at the old uh, academy in Torrance uh, with the Gracies. He was definitely sort of that new next generation. But we he, we've definitely seen that he's a lot more than just his triangle choke. He can he can knock you out and put your lights out. A variety of different ways. Yeah, I mean, he looked so good in that fight. I mean, he was switching stances, and his diversity of his offensive attack was just like leg kick here, high kick here, punch to the body here, punch. I mean, he was doing all kinds of stuff from different stances. And it almost made you forget about how much of a threat he is submission-wise. Right. Like, he still has he still has submissions that most guys in the division won't even see coming. Or and it's his technique is so clean that they can't defend it once it latches on. I mean, when you think about the the submission he had against Cub Swanson, Cub was like, "Yo, I thought my head was gonna pop off." So he still has that ability with with all these new tricks and tools, man. Like that's a that is a dangerous, dangerous man. Yeah, now he's standing in front of Clay Guida, and for a second I thought that he was Guida because again the hair is just yeah, constantly the changing, hair. you know and. And like, and he's, and, and you know, and also too, like, you, one thing you can't question is his toughness. You know, I don't know if that's going to hurt him against a guy like Volkanovski, who is a strong puncher. But you know, Brian Ortega walks through punches like nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like he just, like when he fought Max Holloway, he got battered in that fight. But he walked through everything. He's he not afraid to fight. Everything. He's not afraid to no. fight, and that's something that is is incredibly unique about uh, you know what he has. Like he can change up his attack, like you said. Like, is he going to come out and try to you know out jujitsu you and out grapple you, or is he going to walk through fire and exchange and, and fight fire with fire? And I mean, even in that fight against Fernando uh, Carnero, I mean, I've been in the room with that kid, and that kid is special, and he he weathered the storm and still submitted him. So, I mean, like, you know, Ortega is, I mean, I'm excited for his future, man. I mean, if he continues to get better the way we saw him get better with training with Tiki for one camp, then, man, I don't know where he goes, man. Like, he could, I mean, that's the type of thing that you end up seeing, like, guy just really running away from a division. Uh, I mean, we'll find out. I can't wait to see it. Uh, Ortega versus Volkanovski. It's the next fight that needs to happen, obviously, at 145 pounds. And we will get it before too long, uh, I'm sure. And then also, too, let's not forget that Max Holloway is still the number one contender. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, the way that Max uh, has fought Volkanovski, I, I mean, I know that people have already seen it a, a couple of times, but could you ever be upset about it happening again if Max continues to, to, to you know, make it clear that he's the number one contender because I'll watch those two men fight any day of the week. Yeah, I will too. I just almost don't think it's fair for Volkanovski. It's almost, and that's why I would rather see him fight T city right now, because I don't think it's fair to Volkanovski to just keep going. All right. Have him fight Max again. Have him fight Max again because he, and he said it came out of his mouth. He said, what, what are we going to continue? We're going to fight until he finally beats me. Is that what this is? And so it's not really fair to the division or to Volkanovski to just keep fighting Max Holloway. So I think, I think T-City makes the most sense. But, you know, Max Holloway, he certainly showed that he, he deserved it. But he's a fighter, too, and he's almost he's almost a guy we want to see him fight other guys, too. Because, you know, I mean, he's, you know, when when he's able to let them hands go, as we saw against Calvin Cater on ABC, man, was that a special performance. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the mark of a great division. It doesn't matter who's necessarily fighting for the title, right? Like, just get him in the octagon and... And fight. You know, speaking of getting them in places, those earbuds need to get in those cauliflowered ears of yours. I know, man. You know what it is? Not working. It's I don't. I can't wear these things that they're hard plastic. I need the the squishy. I don't know how to get squishies on these things. I mean, you need to be like me and just get over the ear. You know what I mean? Like it. it I know. I need. I need to get 
I need to get the clips or something, man. But I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this out for next time because it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. That's all right. That's all right. Well, I appreciate you battling through it. Hopefully, uh, yeah. Hopefully, you're I not no getting pro- more cauliflower no, from I, this thing. No, no. I know. I got no problem battling through it, man. But it's annoying to me because every time I talk, my ears move, and they, there's nothing there. It's just cauliflower, and I can't stick it. It hurts. I bet. I bet. I, I appreciate you uh, toughing through it. Uh, let, let's talk about this next one. Um, what can you say about uh, Ion Kutalava? I mean, he's incredibly intense. It starts at the weigh-ins. It sometimes starts at the introduction. I, I didn't know what they were going to do tonight because Buffer is usually the man who uh, separates them. Joe Martinez uh, was in there tonight on Kutalaba uh, duty, but uh, you know we see a, a fight that was very uh, intense between him and, and D- Dustin Jacoby. Uh, Kutalaba came out. I had it at a 10-8 round uh, in round number one, and then Jacoby coming back in, in two and three. Uh, so I had that same uh, scorecard that the dissenting judge had, would ultimately threw a... I mean, they were all dissenting, really. He had uh, 29-28 for Kutalaba, 29-28 for Jacoby, and then a 28-28, so you have a split draw. Not often do we see split draws in mixed martial arts fights. Uh, your thoughts, Dean, on the ultimate, uh, uh, I guess, lack there of a decision in the decision? You know, I mean, it's just kind of a, a testament of who Kutalaba is. You know, he's, I don't know how I feel about him personally. Sometimes I like him, I like that intensity. And then other times I'm looking at it like, man, he's doing way too much. But at the end of the day, like, you still kind of want to see him fight. But, and like, you know, his, his performances are so inconsistent, though. You know, so I think a split draw is just like the perfect Kudalaba thing. Like, because it just shows he's not really like a contender. But he's still must-see TV. He's always going to be like kind of exciting to watch. Like, he's, he's going to pull something. He's going to do something kind of stupid, like at the weigh-in. So, I mean, he's just an intense guy, but, you know, I think that, um, I think he kind of, I think he should be better than he is based on how he behaves. You know, he behaves like he's the next world champ, but he fights like he's a split draw. I mean, there's something to be said about that because the way that he handles himself, he does have supreme confidence. He, he, you know, steps over the line a little bit. He pushes the envelope. Um, but for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to always work out the way that he wants it to. And I don't know if the two things are related, Dean, but you, I mean, we talk about momentum. We talk about the mental aspect of things. Maybe Kutalaba does need to sort of change his approach and and maybe things will work out a little bit different on fight night. No, I I doubt it. I mean, if that's his kind of his personality that he's, that may be what got him this far. I think like if he changed his approach and was a nice guy, I think that he would just, he would fall apart. He would absolutely fall apart. I think we're probably getting the best Kudalaba. He's still a tough guy. He's still a dangerous guy. But he's just, you know, he's he's never going to be champ, you know. But the way he thinks of himself, like when you see him do all that stuff, you know, that's like stuff that you would think a guy is, you know, I'm champ. You know, I'm the champ. But he, you could tell he's, he's never going to make that. Can you recall an athlete that you've either seen or worked with personally where there was a different sort of mindset at the early part of their run? Uh, to where they had a different one at the latter part of their run, where they had more success, maybe after changing their mindset. Um, wow, that's a man, TJ. You might you might stump me here, but you know, because most fighters actually do change their mindset, mm. but d- it doesn't normally make them better, though. Really? So you right. think it's the opposite? So they change their mindset and then they sort of and then, uh, and, then did, they, and they and then they kind of get worse, right? But I can say this. I can say this. Um, and it's, it hasn't been a run, but what I can say about what, what you're saying is that Dustin Poirier changed his mindset in his last fight against Conor McGregor. Mm. And he, yeah, so, and that's just one fight. So it's not, it hasn't been like this run of fights. That's just one fight where I think he's changed his mindset. And that mindset was, I'm okay with uh, changing my game plan in mid-fight. I'm confident with doing that and I'm relaxed now. Because we've seen Dustin in the fights be pretty intense and very like, you know, this is hard. Uh, you know, this is I'm fighting for my life, my livelihood. But in that fight against Conor McGregor, he took all the pressure off of himself. Yeah, I and agree with that. That helped him, and that helped him. So when you and you talk about his mindset, that helped him to take the, the pressure off of himself. Now, when he fights him again in July. If he takes the pressure, we, let's see what his mindset is like and see if it works again. If it works again. Then we can say, hey, I have an example for you, TJ. 
But like until then, like I don't really have many examples of guys who I felt like changed their mindset and for you know like kind of for the better and it worked right. out for them. Yeah, I, well, it I, doesn't really work out for most guys. The the biggest mindset change that I can recall, I, I don't know if you would necessarily say it worked out for them because I think they already had their most success prior to this. But Quentin Jackson was a much different fighter at the beginning of his career compared to the latter part of his career. And uh, he seemed to be a more of a, a peaceful athlete where at the beginning he was kind of more mean and angry. Well, that's what happens. I'm telling you, because after a while you realize that like, hold on, why am I so mean and angry for? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like who, who am I mad at? Yeah. This guy, this guy did nothing to me. And then like, you just get older and you know, the whole thing about losing like testosterone, like you just get older and you're just kind of like, I'm not really mad at this guy. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, that's, I'm just here to fight. You know, I'm just, I just want to fight and make my money. That's, and that's kind of mentality most guys get. So, like, that's why you see, like, this decline. Like, as they get older, this they get more mature and then this decline of aggression because they're just kind of like, damn, that's young kid stuff right there. Right, yeah. Young, dumb kid stuff. Could you imagine if Nick Diaz came back and he was just, like, a super nice guy and, like, didn't want to kill the person he was fighting? If Nick Diaz came back and he was like that, I wouldn't put money on him for nothing. I would be like, yo, who is this guy? Get rid of this guy. I want to see this guy. Yo, because part of the allure with Diaz Brothers right. is all the trash talk yeah. and the unpredictability of what they're going to do. And, you know, they have you know, to hate you. Yeah, they have to hate you. And they're going to say something that, like, <laughs> just right. really, like, make headlines. So that's the guy I want. I don't want to, I don't ever want to see a nice Diaz brother. No, absolutely not. Except for in person. In person. Oh, they're super uh, nice in yeah, person. Yeah, in person, I want to see them nice. Yeah, I don't want but them they on, are I nice in person. Yeah, the, I don't want them on my bad side. That, that's the thing. I remember Tyson Griffin used to train with Caesar Gracie in, in that camp, and then Tyson just moved to Vegas, like just relocated camps. And you would have thought that Tyson Griffin abducted Nick Diaz's dog. He's like, we hate Tyson Griffin. We don't like him anymore. He moved. It's like, wait, yeah, he just moved. He's not yeah. fighting against you. He just moved. Yeah, he just moved. Yeah. Like, but, like, no. that's the guy I like. That's the guy right. I like. You know what I'm saying? So, for me, I'm cool with that. I'd be afraid that, that I moved on the wrong side of, like, Stockton's border if I was with yeah. Nick Diaz's crew. Like, I'm yeah, like, Sorry. Well, guys like, you, well, the thing is, you know, guys like that who grew up in the neighborhoods that they grew up in, like, the most important thing, the currency that they have is loyalty. Right. That's their currency. So, you know, when you move, it's like you robbed them. You know, you've robbed them. I so, mean, that's how we felt on extra rounds when I saw you on the pay-per-view last week. <laughs> like, we got robbed, well, that's, Dean. Yeah, no, that's, what I, that's how I felt when y'all started putting Pearl in all my spots. You know, I was like, oh. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, what, what can you say? I mean, she knows what she wants. She goes out there and she tries to take it, so. But I know. I listen. I give Pearl. Uh, I, she gets all the credit in the world. See, that's a problem. Everyone gives her all the credit in the world, and then you know, that's just like my plight here on extra rounds because I try to debate her, and I think I'm right. Doesn't matter if I'm right. Everyone just sides with Pearl. Like I, Pearl's true. probably right. Ain't that the truth? Like everybody always sides with the pretty girl. You're like, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> oh, she can't even pretty. pronounce his name. <laughs> you said it, not me. She's drunk. <laughs> Been there. In there. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about the first fight of the night. Marab Dvalashvili uh, getting the win um, over Cody Stamen. Um, you know, we were talking about Marab's takedown game uh, at the beginning of the program, and he's flawless. And the way that he wrestles Dean, it's really something to behold. I was talking with with Longo about this on on Thursday's show. I think that the way that he approaches fighting because of his wrestling game, because he knows he's going to be able to uh, probably be the better wrestler in most of his matchups. He's able to move forward in a manner where he kind of get, gets reckless at times with his punches. He throws very looping shots, odd uppercuts at times, comes at it from different angles that if he didn't have that same wrestling game that he has, I think that his striking would be much more of a liability than it is for him come fight night. Would you agree with that? Yeah, of course, man. Like you, and that's what I was saying earlier at the beginning of the show was that he looks sloppy at sometimes, at times. Yeah, and like you couldn't get away with that without like that trump card of being able to wrestle. And but but here's the most important thing about him, I think, is that coming from the Matt Sarah camp, you know, something about 
all those guys that fight from there, none of them are like the most polished, right? Because like, you know, it's very difficult to get like all these polished guys from one area. Right. But the one thing about them is that they all fight to their ability, to their yeah. highest level yep. of ability. And they're all like, they have, they all have this New York toughness about them. Like, I don't know how, I, and I've always asked man, like, how do you get these guys to fight like that? How do you get them to fight their best fight? Because like my biggest issue with getting fighters to, is to perform at their best level of ability. But these guys like with still lacking some of the, you know, technical stuff, like they still go out there and compete with everybody because they're so, they fight so well. They just all fight so well and they put it together so well. And when you look at it though, but that's a testament of like, I think it really comes down from Matt because Matt was the same exact way. I mean, he won a world title doing that against George St. Pierre. Right. Like just kind of not being the most technical guy, but just, yo, I'm here to fight and going out there and fighting. Yeah. And all his guys fight the same way. And, and that's the thing I think that I love about mixed martial arts is like, do you want to be great at one thing or do you want to be really good at everything because it's the guy that is really good at everything and maybe great at nothing that goes in and, and adapts and makes the proper adjustments because if you are able to hang tough with everyone in every area of mixed martial arts that's when you can rely on not only your strategy but your mental fortitude to get you through things that are just otherwise more difficult for guys when they rely on fighting a certain style and that is something that is very true from matt Serra to chris weidman to aljamain sterling to marab it's just these guys find themselves in these greedy bouts where they're able to just push through, and and maybe and, that is a and testament to their mindset, to. right? And they're not supposed to. When when Alan when Alan Kinta fought uh, Khabib, right. he wasn't supposed no. he wasn't supposed to to do as good he as he did. He wasn't supposed to be in that fight that night. He was, yeah, he was, he was supposed to fight somebody else. Yeah, and he went out there and took the champ five rounds. Yep. So and this is what I'm saying. Like these guys, when and when when Chris Weidman fought Anderson Silva, like he wasn't supposed to win that fight. No, and he no. knocks him out. Yeah, Matt Sarah wasn't supposed to beat George St. Pierre. Knocks him out. Marab has that fighting ability, but I think what separates Marab from all those guys is his, is his, you know, one is his cardio because you know they just say he's a machine, and two is that takedown ability is just you know something to marvel at. You yeah. know, like to be able to get guys down like that at will is just something to really marvel at. No, 100%. And, uh, you know, tonight uh, they were talking on the broadcast that Cody Stamen believed that he was the better wrestler and he was going to prove that. And and I, I put a tweet out there and, and I firmly believe this. The more that I hear about a debate between two athletes coming up uh, in a fight in the octagon about who the better wrestler is, we can argue back and forth who the better wrestler is it generally comes down to who the better kickboxer is that is going to win that fight. And tonight, I think that this very much was a wrestling match in a lot of ways. They both were going for takedowns, but it was the ability to fight through those scrambles and then make the uh, sequences on the feet and in the midst of those scrambles really uh, dictate the winner. And Marab was the better striker tonight in those situations that ultimately led us to, to this decision. Granted, I think a lot of it was to do with his wrestling, but if you have two comparable wrestlers get ready for uh, generally a kickboxing match well i think that's where um cody stamen his downfall is in a lot of fights that he loses like against jimmy rivera and all these and some of the other fights that he's lost is that he co he comes out and tries to prove that he's the better wrestler and i think that's just you know that wrestling mentality and i think they like most like wrestlers have that it's that mentality of oh i gotta prove that i'm the better wrestler i gotta get on top of them so they come out and like try to prove that they're the better wrestler and then they forget about actually you know fighting because they're really trying to prove that they're the better wrestler but uh, and i think that kind of hurts him a lot of times and i think that's what happened to him tonight was that he was trying to prove that he was the better wrestler and that right hand of Marab was just money all night long. He kept catching Cody with that all night long. And I think that made all the difference because I, th I think after he started getting caught with those right hands, it started having an effect on him. Oh, I got to watch out for these right hands. And then he was really losing the wrestling battles. So, and then I think that just really kind of, kind of shook him up a little bit. When you look at uh, that sort of argument of like trying to prove that you're the better wrestler, like that's just like a moral victory. That's not actually like going out there to win 
the the fight. Like, obviously, you want to win the fight, but like, did you ever have that in your career where you you know wanted to win a certain way or assert your dominance over a certain uh, opponent just for a sense of pride? Absolutely not. <laughs> I was never that dumb. Right. Okay. Right. You know, I, I was dumb. I'm listen. I'm a dumbass. Okay. I was never. I was never that dumb, or at least dumb in that way, to feel like I needed to prove something to the guy I was fighting that I was better than him in some way and like fight a lesser fight or a, a worse fight just to prove to that guy. And a lot of these fighters do. And I, and you know, not, not picking on wrestling, but I think it's kind of a, a wrestling mentality to prove that, or it either comes down to like that wrestling mentality or sometimes like a brawler mentality. We're going to stand right here in the middle and bang until see who wins. But you know, you ever you ever notice when that happens, like you get two kickboxers in it, like, yeah, we're two kickboxers. We're going to stand in the middle. You ever, you ever notice what happens? One of them shoots. It's funny how that works, right? Yeah, one of them shoots. It, it, it's like almost a, a certainty. Yeah, we're going to stay yeah. in a trade. We're going to win fight of the night. We're not going to yeah. move off outside the phone booth. Uh, just shot a double leg. Okay. All yeah, right, yeah, cool. yeah. One of them, one of them shoots. But but you but you'll always see it with wrestlers. Wrestlers will try to prove that they're the better wrestler. Yeah. No. I mean that's uh, their whole lives in a lot of ways. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, Rob Duvalishvili gets the win tonight. Um, rocking the Georgian flag, very proud Georgian. Um, he, he got on the mic tonight, and uh, you know he, he he called a shot as well. You know he's won six straight fights. He he wants uh, a former champion. He had one name uh, on the tip of his tongue when he was asked the question. That was Dominic Cruz. Uh, you know Marab still uh, you know on the outside of that top ten, trying to find his way in. A big call out of Dominic Cruz. I mean we talk about a, a, another guy who you know has some interesting footwork and. You know, he has wrestling ability as well as his uh, striking ability. How do you think Dominic Cruz would match up with Marab? Because that's a big step up in competition for the Georgian. I think it's the safest matchup for Marab, you know. And, like, a lot of guys are calling out Dominic Cruz because it is the safest matchup. Because, you know, Dominic has never really been the type of guy that hurts you. He'll beat you, but he won't hurt you. And, you know, and if you can find, and if you can figure him out, once you figure Dominic Cruz out, he's kind of easier to beat, you know. And that's the thing with him. And that's why a lot of guys want to fight him because, like, of all the guys at the top at the 135-pound division, one, he's probably the safest guy. You know, them other guys will, you know, clip you and, and put your teeth into the third row. Dominic Cruz won't really do that. You know, he's crafty but not really dangerous. And then once you figure out his craft, he's probably the easiest one to beat at that point. Once you figure out how to corner him and sure. make him fight your fight. He's probably the easiest one to beat. So he's the safest bet. So that's why you're going to see a lot of guys that are on the come up say, I want to fight Dominic Cruz because there's so much upside to it. He's the safest yeah. guy. He, and once you figure him out, he's probably the easiest one to beat. He's older. He's injury prone. And um, and he was a former champ. So like, there's so much upside to fighting Dominic Cruz. Yeah, I mean, almost every great fighter has that uh, sort of downswing where everyone in the division is calling him out by name. I mean, I remember everyone wanted to fight Matt Hughes for the longest time. Like, yeah, so especially when he's like right after the Tiago Alves. Yeah, fight, he was like, "Ooh, I want to fight Matt Hughes." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, people that were yeah. like technically more in the title picture than Matt Hughes was at the time still wanted to fight Matt Hughes because it was yeah, yeah, you know, the it's name. just like it's a, it's a, it's a give me, it's a, it's a give me fight, you know, and it, it's I hate to look at fighters that way, but. That's really what it turns out to be. It turns out to be kind of a, let me just pick this win up real quick over this former champ and then keep moving. But but the one thing I got to say about Marab, man, like you gave him credit for his uh, the Georgian flag. Yeah. But I like that. I like the the Angela Hill hair that he had afterwards after the fight. Yeah, I don't know what that's called, but uh, he he's definitely rocking it. It's similar yeah. to that that Khabib hat. Like I I mean I I'd take anything. It look yeah. It looked like Angela Hill's hair do. So like I got to give him props for that. All right. Um, big <laughs> night for Georgia. Giga Chikadze, Marab Dvalishvili. Like, I, I don't even think I could pick Georgia out on a map unless we're talking about the state. I mean, it's somewhere yeah, that, over there by Russia. but Yeah, but every time they talk about Georgia, I'm thinking like, yeah, they talk funny. Yeah, we're going back to Atlanta? <laughs> yeah, what? No, Atlanta? No, no. Savannah? Not, no, not so much. Not so much. Um, you you were in the building last, uh, last Saturday night in, in Jacksonville. One of the craziest nights ever. In mixed martial arts history, I think at least that's the way it felt uh, on television. What was it like being in the uh, Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena? I mean, it was different. It was unlike any other show I've ever been to because it was so. It was such a long time coming, and I think everybody missed, you know, the fans. 
Yeah. And you didn't realize how bad you missed them. And like for me, I didn't even I was, and you know, TJ, you know, I was always talking about, man, I don't want fans. Right. You know, I love the atmosphere of the yeah. Apex and I still do. Sure. But at the same time, there was something about the fans that really we that I missed. And I was like really happy to see them. And glad to be a part of that. And like, I really was glad to be a part of that event last week. I forgot how loud it was. And I'm sitting again in my studio watching. I, I wear headphones, so it's a little bit different. But like, you can hear these people fuel and propel the athletes. And I, I, I just can't wait to get back into a building with that many people again down the road because I, I mean I go to the supermarket and like 15 people are there and I start to get like anxiety it's like I'm around <laughs> a lot of people but I, I like I, to feel the energy of 15,000 strong during a fight night uh that that has to be sorely missed not only for you know people like you and I but obviously the athletes they felt it because they brought it to a completely different level oh my god like and you knew right away that there was a crowd in attendance like if you like if you were to just like take the two fighters who fought in the first fighter that night and you put them in the apex without the crowd. That fight looks nothing like that. Right. No, it, it looks can't. nothing like that. It looks nothing like that. Yeah. I mean, it certainly had an effect on the way everyone fought. You yeah. know, they were, everybody was fighting for the crowd. And that was, I mean, it was intense, man. Like watching everybody try to perform for the crowd was extremely intense. And just hearing the crowd, I mean, I know it was just so different because, you know, I mean, being at the apex and, you know, this last year has been, you know, just a, a weird year, but, but being out there and hearing these fans when, whenever a celebrity or somebody walked into the room to hear them just erupt, you know, when Joe Rogan came into the, to the building yeah. to see them erupt was like, Oh my God, like this, we are, we're, we're here. When, when, when Jake Paul was in there and everybody was like, F Jake Paul. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't even know what to say to that. You know what I mean? <laughs> to get a chant going during a fight that has nothing to do with the two athletes that are fighting. It's like, what is happening? And this, and this happened and it didn't just happen once or twice. No. It happened throughout the night. It yeah. was like all throughout the night. And yeah, and I mean, it was, man, it was, it was a really great time for everybody. Like, I think everybody there had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I, I love it. I can't wait for the fans to get uh, to see it once again uh, in a couple of weeks in Houston. That's going to be uh, phenomenal. Um, and then, man, McGregor and Poirier three coming up in July, like international that's fight gonna, week. That's going to, that's going to be bananas. Yeah. The, the fight in, in, in Vegas in July is going to be, and I'm calling this right now, uh, some next level stuff. Business. Here. Next like, level yeah, business. Next level business. I mean, that is going to be bananas because anytime Connor fights, it's bananas. Yeah. You know, like he brings, like they, they bring flights of Irish people here. Mm -hmm. And that's going to, so the same is going to be, it's going to be the same in July. Oh, so yeah. It's, it's going to be magnified. Be, it's it's going to be bananas. It's going to be one of those shows, Dean, where people go to Vegas with no clue whether or not they're going to get in the building that night. They're right. They're going to yeah. go to the city. They're just going to go to Vegas to be in the in the, in the the sphere of the energy of what's going on with the fights. I'm going. And I don't blame them. And I'm I don't going. blame them. Let's you, go. That's going to be the place to be. You and I can that's, hang out. We'll just walk man, around. Man, let's go. Let's go. I'm down. Like I'm going to be there regardless. Whether I'm working or not, I'm going to Vegas July 10th. It's I'm going to be there. It's a three-hour drive for me. I got enough people that I can like go sleep on their couch. So I'm going. Man, let's go. Let's roll. Come through. Yes. We do the we do the we do the show from there. That's right. We'll do it. We, we do the pre-show from there. That's right. And uh, if you want to listen to the show, uh, instead of just watching and, and looking at my big dumb face, you can do so wherever you download podcasts. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google, all that fun stuff. We're 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 becoming like legit now, Dean Thomas. We are on Apple and Spotify and Google. Yeah, and iHeartRadio and a bunch of they other places. They put us on iHeartRadio. I know. Yeah. Yo, man, we done made it. People are like, "What's the radio? What does that mean?" <laughs> Is that that thing know, in my right? car that I don't ever yeah. use? Yeah. 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 Uh, well, yeah. That's. <laughs> Listen, I'm just. I'm glad we still get, we still doing this. You know. What do you mean still doing that? Well, I need this. This is my whole existence right here, Dean. Don't take this away from me. Don't give no. them an idea that we can't do, that we I, have to I'm do not, this. Listen, I'm not giving nobody no ideas, man. Oh, I, my God. Listen, I, I, love this. I love this, man. I love doing this. Me too. I appreciate you doing it now that you're all big time doing the thing in between rounds. And John Annick's like, I need insight. Dean Thomas. And you're like right there with insight. 
It's awesome. Oh, man, that, that, that was so much fun, man. I can't wait to do that again. All right. But maybe I'll get to do it with you again, too. Maybe we can call some fights again down the road. Man, I'm hoping. We'll give Pearl the night off. She can go do yeah, something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I don't even want to know what she's going to do if she get an opportunity to do something else. But just give her the night off. Yeah. Or, or we can do the three-man booth. That'll be fun. You hey, can protect man, me the, from her because she love scares the Al Green. me. I love the Al Green. Yeah? You like that? Yeah. Love it. It's a sample, so it's not really, you know. But it's, it's hitting. It is. It is. It's like the Al Green remix is hitting. This is I my pal uh, Odin Smith. He makes this stuff for us. Does he? Yeah, people can find him on uh, Twitter, twitter.com slash Odin Smith. I'm going to look him up. You should. Dean Thomas, always a pleasure, sir. We'll uh, talk to you real soon. All right, my man. You take it easy, homeboy. All right, man. Thanks for going a few extra rounds tonight here on UFC Fight Pass. If you missed any of it, go check it out again. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Spreaker. I'll be back next week getting you ready for uh, more fights. Houston coming up just uh, around the way as well. Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. A lot of mixed martial arts action to uh, keep your eye on as the uh, UFC gets rocking and rolling for a very exciting summer season ahead. Uh, thanks for staying up late. Thanks for watching, supporting. Uh, thanks to Dean Thomas. And, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. It's Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. Extra Rounds from UFC Fight Pass is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. 